This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. When I was in college, uh, after my freshman year, my sophomore year, I came back to, to college. I'd had an, an amazing experience with the Lord during the summer. I was selling books door to door and uh, had been born again, had been filled with the Spirit. It was a very, uh, very meaningful time in my life. And I came back to college. I was running a, a cumulative average of about 3.7 after my freshman year. And uh, my next, that next semester, I pulled a 1.8. <laughs> And I don't care how you look at it, that's bad. That's, I flunked courses. It's the first time in my life I'd ever flunked courses. I dropped courses. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a horrible semester. Horrible semester academically. Party-wise, it was huge. <laughs> and I left after that, that semester, and with two of my fraternity brothers, we dropped out of college and moved down to Florida. And uh, we moved to Florida. We, we moved to West Palm Beach. Palm Beach is, is where the super wealthy live. West Palm's for the rest of the population. We lived in West Palm, and we were, we were landscapers, which means we, we dug holes and put plants in them. That's, that's, I used to put on the resume, landscape engineer assistant. <laughs> Resumes are creative, I'll tell you. But anyway, so... We, we worked with a rough crew. There were three of us college boys. Um, one of my friends who was there, he was the son of a, of a cardiologist in North Carolina. The other one was the son of an executive in a Fortune 500 company. I actually was the poorest of the three. And, uh, but these were, they, we were some highfalutin college boys, and we worked with a rough crew. Rough. And uh, in fact, one day we came in, and they were all sitting around, a fire we were warming up before we got in the trucks to go, and they were, they were talking about how a friend of theirs had called his wife with another man and blew both of them away with a double-barrel shotgun the night before. And they were talking about it like you would discuss the Texans. And I remember three, us three college boys were like, oh, my gosh, what are we with? So we get in the car one, we get in the truck one Friday, and Fridays were non-productive days. And non-productive days work because they would stop at the liquor store before they went to the job site and buy liquor and they drink all day. So they stopped and bought some cheap vodka and Coke and the super, this is the supervisor, he passes it back to my, my friend Mark. He said, Mark, mix me a drink. So Mark mixed some Coke and vodka, which sounds awful, passed it up I'll never forget, I was sitting there, and it, it, I remember he took a sip, and he almost spit it out. He went, he passed me, he said, don't mix me a college boy drink. He said, mix me a drink. So Mark said he put vodka in the cup and just enough Coke to taint it <laughs> and sent it back up, and they drank it. Strong stuff. Very strong stuff. Rough crew. So what in the world's that got to do with anything we're talking about tonight. Tonight, the subject matter I want to take is a little bit of strong stuff. But it will not impair your driving home. <laughs> and you're going to feel good in the morning. Can you handle some strong stuff? All right. So, so man, I was hoping he was going to go somewhere with that story. There we go. 
Paul was writing to the, Thess the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter, verse 11 and 12. He said, as you know how he exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. I want to talk a little bit about tonight about walking worthy, walking worthy of God, what that means. This word was written to a church that was under pressure. They were having suffering persecution from their, from their different people that they were living around and they had come out of being heathens. They had turned from their idols. They were an idol-serving group. When Paul would go into these areas, it's not like it was infested with Presbyterians and Lutherans. It, it was, it, and, and with a few Baptists sprinkled in and around, there were none. It was heathen. They worshipped idols. Some of that idol worship stuff would make your hair curl. And so they had turned, and so these Thessalonians had turned. Well, just because they turned and became believers doesn't mean all their neighbors liked it. And so they were undergoing a lot of persecution. He's writing to a church under pressure. But here's what he did not say. Paul didn't say, I am praying for you that all your problems would disappear. His encouragement was in the middle of their problems. He said that they would live in such a way that would honor God. Didn't say, oh man, I know you're going, you guys are going through hard times, but it's going to be over. God's going. He said, no. He said, I'm praying for you that you would walk worthy of God. So what's that mean? That we live in a way that honors God? We understand that. If you're a parent, you understand that uh, from as your children, especially as your children were younger, and, and as they were growing up, you, you recognized the fact that they reflected you. And so you wanted your your children, I know, I know Joy always used to dress Christina, our daughter, two boys, one girl, Christina, was our daughter, middle child. And she was, she, when she was little, she looked like a little doll baby. And Joy always dressed her immaculately. Her hair was always dressed, well, they reflect us. I remember Joy had to go and spend some time with her mom one time and I had the kids. This was before YouTube could teach me how to get a ponytail to stay in a ponytail. <laughs> and if you guys know what I'm talking about, you, Michael goes on YouTube now to, to do that for his girl, Mariah, my grandchild. But I didn't know how to do it. And so, man, I couldn't get that, I couldn't get that tie around her hair. And so, man, she looked like a homeless child. I was like, she <laughs> go to school. Well, no one likes that because that reflects you. And so Paul is writing to the, to the church and saying, hey, he said, I want you to walk worthy of God. Well, we're going through problems, Paul. I understand that. But just because we're going through problems doesn't mean we can't walk and live in such a way that doesn't honor God. Amen. And so his, I, I, I thought that it, when it struck me when I read that, Paul wasn't saying, hey, I want everything to be wonderful and peaceful and great in your life. Listen, I can tell you, as your pastor, I wish everything was wonderful and great and peaceful in your life, but I also recognize that's not reality. Amen. That it might be reality for brief moments, but how many of you know that it's rare that we get those times where something's not going on? And if you have a family, I promise you something's going on. And usually at some point in time. Paul said, I want you guys, he said, I'm praying that and encouraging you and charging you that you would walk worthy of God. I was, I was talking with someone that said they have a, their son plays uh, football, well, not football, uh, baseball, 
uh, Anthony Rios, who, who heads our, our uh, outreach, does a great job. He's got a six-year-old son that plays baseball, and they make their baseball team come. Their uniform has to be pressed. It has to be tucked in. This, these are six-year-olds. When I was six-year-old, we played in the mud in the backyard. They have to come dressed. They have practice uniforms. They, why? Because they represent a team, and they want the team to, to look good. And so they're representing someone. So this idea that we're representing the Lord and the, and the way that we walk worthy of the Lord is an idea we don't need to get up, get, get away from. Now, it's more than just surviving. We're not the same people that we used to be. So, so when Paul is writing, he's writing to people he knows have changed. And look what, he, look what Peter said. And I've always liked this verse, Peter. He said, you are, talking about believers, he started a chosen generation, a royal nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but have obtained mercy. Would you leave it up there just for a look? Look at all those things it says that we are. We're a chosen generation. You hear people say, oh, I wish I could have been Jewish and be one of God's chosen people. You are, if you're a believer, you are God's chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, royal priesthood. You're royalty. So man, wouldn't it be wonderful if I was royalty or maybe if I could be Instagram royalty. You got something better than Instagram royalty. You are, you are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. We're part of a holy nation. We're his own special people. We're God's special people. We may proclaim the praises of him who called us. Aren't you glad he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light? We've been called out of spiritual darkness into spiritual light. We've obtained mercy. Oh, I'm so glad that God is merciful. Are you glad he's merciful? Are you glad he's been merciful? We've obtained mercy. So, so in, in the context of this, we're not the same people that we used to be. We represent him. And so Paul began to write, to write, and as he wrote them a little bit later, he talked to them about something that was key to him. He talked about them standing fast in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 8. He, he would, had been so concerned about them that the pressure they were under, that they would back away, he sent Timothy to them. He said, I need you to send Timothy. Timothy is going to come. He's going to encourage you and strengthen you in your faith. And when Timothy came back, he said, but now Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Paul was going through difficult times himself. And the news came back. Timothy came back. He said, man, he said, I, I, I've been to see them at Thessalonica. He said, Paul, they're doing great. He said, man, they are, they, are, they are believing God. They're loving one another. They are, even in the middle of all this stuff, they are persevering. They love you, Paul. They, they really want to see you again. They're doing so well. And Paul said, in the middle of all this distress and anguish I'm dealing with, it comforted me to know that you're standing fast in the Lord. And I can just tell you, as, as a pastor, nothing blesses me more than to hear that you stand fast in the Lord, that you stayed with the Lord, that you stuck it out, that you're staying with him. What breaks my heart sometimes, and I, I, I'll see people sometimes out in the community, and uh, 
they'll say, hey, or I'll recognize them, hey, how you doing? And, and a, a lot of times they will start saying, I, well, I, 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 I know I need to be back in church. Well, I, I know I'm not there anymore. And I'll ask them, I'll say, where are you? And eight times out of ten, the head ducks, and they go, well, you know, I watch you online. <laughs> and for all of you who watch online, I, I'm, I'm wonderful with that. But that doesn't bless me. What blesses me is if you're standing fast in God. That you, don't, that you haven't backed up. One of the reasons why is because I know what it is to back up. I told you I led off with that story, but when I came back from, from that summer selling books, I fell away from God. I hate that. It was, it was some wasted years. But I also recognize why. So I want to give you some reasons how you can stand fast in the Lord. Because here's the deal. Standing fast means we're not backing up all the time. You want, you want to get to the place where you're not in and out and in and out. Where you're in. You're committed. Because if you don't stand fast, you won't walk worthy. Amen. To walk worthy of God, we have to stand fast. We're not, we're not in and out all the time. We're not wondering committed. We're in. So let me give you some things tonight, just some real practical things. I, I warned you, didn't I? This is strong. This is strong stuff. But it's good stuff. Because it'll help you. How do you stand fast? How do you not move? How do you walk worthy? So here's the first one. Attend and be involved in church. So Alan, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Well, Yes and no. Preaching to Wednesday night. Preaching online. Attend and be involved in church. Now I'm going to say this. and Listen, I love online. We're going to keep doing online. I think online is wonderful. One, it gives people who've never been here, it gives them a peek into the church before they ever show up. So that, that's great. Two, there are people who can't go to church. It gives them access to church. How many of us when? When church shut down, we're glad that online was there and available. So, yeah. So, we're going to keep doing online. But if you can, get back in church. If you can. Now, maybe you're at a place where you, you can't. There's physical problems. There's, there's things going on. I realize that there's still, we're still dealing with a pandemic. I understand that. But if you can, I want to encourage you to get in church. In Hebrews, this is what the writer of Hebrews said. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. He's talking about doing some things for one another. Here's, here's the value. Here's part of the value of, of being in church. One, we have an opportunity to do things for one another to stir up one another, to stir up love and good works. You can't stir up at home. You can stir up here. How I many know it's sometimes good, and I hope you have people that you know here, but it's just sometimes good to walk in and see other people here and go, okay, great, good. Other people believe like I do. There are people here that, 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 that believe. Not everyone is, is gone crazy. There are some really good people here. Or if you have friends here, how I many know how encouraging it is to see them and have them encourage and, and to stir up and gives us an opportunity to do that? 
So I'm, I'm, I'm very unapologetic about that. I've watched, I saw what being out of church did to so many believers. And so I'm really encouraging, if you can, come back. If you can, be in church. If you don't go here, go somewhere where you're fed. But be in church. Because it will make a difference in your life. And one of the other key differences that it'll make, it's a place where we're helped spiritually. Now, there's a, there's, there's a real thing to corporate faith, too. I can tell you that. For those of you who are here during the, the Tuesday, Wednesday night, I can tell you, watching online is wonderful. Being here is better. It, it's, okay, okay. Quick unscientific poll. Would you rather be here or online? At Those of you, remember 2020? We, when we couldn't even be in church? How many of you would walk back in and went, oh man, being, oh man, being in church is better. There is something about corporate faith when we come together that makes a difference that you can't get. Listen, I've, I had an opportunity uh, a number of years ago with the first time the Super Bowl came to Houston to go to the Super Bowl. And the seats, they were given to me. They were wonderful seats. I mean, we're like on the 40-yard line. They were great seats. I'm going to tell you something. Being there was awesome. It, the, the excitement, the, the, the pageantry, it, it really was amazing. And being there was something. Church is so much better. Because when you come in and there's corporate faith and you're worshiping and you're focused and you're not, because I know how it is at home. I've been, I've done church at home. Sitting there in my t-shirt and shorts and right in the middle of the message, I think about, there's some chicken. There's some chicken in the, in the refrigerator. I, I think I'm going to get me some chicken. In the middle of the sermon. How do you? <laughs> See, you might be thinking about chicken right now. But you can't get up and go get chicken right now. So, I, listen, I, I, I understand that. And I, I, like I said, we're not going to stop doing online. We're increasing our online. Pre- we're gonna, we do things online. We see the value in it. We're going to continue to do it. We're not, we're not condemning anybody. But if you can get in church, be in church. Because we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And we need one another. And we need the corporateness of it. Here's the other thing. We need to be a place where we're helped spiritually. 1 Peter 5 Two and three. Paul, Peter was writing to, to shepherds. He said, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain. Don't be stealing from the church, but eagerly. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So here, here's, where, here's where we're coming there. The church is a place that can feed you spiritually. It needs to be able to feed you. That's actually that word shepherd. Some translations will read feed. Feed the flock of God. What am I doing tonight? We're feeding. So it it is a feeding place. Here's another thing. And this this may sound extremely self-serving, but it wasn't my idea to set up the idea of the church. It's Jesus' idea. And Jesus said, sheep need a shepherd. Shepherd the flock of God. One of of my jobs, one one of what God has entrusted me to do is to oversee this church, is to guide this church, is to protect this church, is to make sure this church is going in the right direction. Now, you say, well, 
Oh, you're just on that because you're a pastor. No, before I ever was a pastor, I had a pastor. And I sat in church and his example and his wife's example and their marriage and their life and their words kept, helped keep us out of trouble and keep us going in the right path. Now, I, I realize sometimes people don't, well, Alan, there's a lot better pastors than you online. I, I got that. I understand that. I can look at the numbers. <laughs> I can look at my four followers versus, you know, somebody else's gazillion ones. I got it. But sheep need a shepherd. And watching someone in another city online is not your pastor. So, Alan, I don't get a chance to spend time with you personally. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> but here's the deal. You can get more out of a Wednesday night for me talking for 30 minutes than you can ever get sitting with me hour after hour just meeting you were talking and chewing the fat. Amen. Because this is what I'm anointed to do. You see me just being Alan and the anointing's not quite there as much. This, <laughs> this is the best you'll get of me. Somebody said, oh, man, I just wish we could be buddies. I wish, I, I, I can't do it, guys. There's too many of you. And I'm married. <laughs> I love you. I wish I could spend time with you. But what do you think we're doing right now? We're spending time. Most of my mentors are either dead or far off. Paul. Peter, John, those are mentors for me. Some of you are like, how do you, how do you deal with a dead mentor? There's, no, their words are still living. So you say, Alan, I don't know if I like this. Well, listen to me. I care enough about you to tell you the truth and love you enough to tell you sheep do better with a shepherd. I'm not getting extra for this tonight, y'all. I, I really, I'm not. But it's, it's, a, it's a fact. We, we do better in that environment. And it's, it's, a, it's, a way, it's a way of protecting. Oh, there's so much to it. Jesus knew what he was talking about. Or he never would have established the office of a pastor to begin with. It's helpful. So you're not as exciting as, as an evangelist or a, a prophet's ministry. I understand that. But I'm also the one that's with you every week. And I'm also the one that's here. And I'm also the one that'll be here. And so people, other people come and go, we're here. And we've got good leaders here. And we have good shepherds here. And we have good examples here. And it makes a difference in your life. It makes a difference. I, I, and I, please understand that I'm not doing this so you come up. I, I don't want you coming up after going, oh, Alan, we really do love you and you are a pastor. I, I, don't need to, I, don't need, I don't need that. I'm not doing that from that. I'm doing that for you because the Bible said don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because so many people will come and say, I can be just as good a Christian as anybody else staying home watching online. And I'm saying, no, you can't because it doesn't agree with the scriptures and you can't bless anybody online at home. And who are you comparing yourself to anyway? This ain't no college boy drink tonight, is it? <laughs> Number two. Number two. By the way, when I was in college and came home, 
I never had a church. I never got in a church. I never had a church. And so one of the things that, one of the reasons church helps me and it's so much on my heart is because I knew what not being in church did for me. And I want you to stand fast. And I want you to walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Number two, have a personal fellowship with the Lord. Personal fellowship. I, uh, when I was out in that summer selling books, I worked, I worked from eight in the morning till eight at night, six days a week. So that was a hard, hard job for a 19-year-old. And uh, I, I sold books and and then on Sundays, we would have meetings. And I, I, would, I would begin to read my Bible some at night, but I was kind of hit and miss. And when I got back to college, I was a lot more miss than hit. And so here's, here's what I want to talk a little bit about reading the Bible. You know, here he goes. He's going to talk about reading the Bible. That's exactly what I'm going to talk about. Amen. Because we are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. And spirits need spirit food. I'll say that again. Spiritual beings need spirit food. For those of you who are, are athletic and those of you who, who or maybe try to be athletic or for those of you who, who work out, how many of you know if you don't eat right, it will impact your strength? If you eat Twinkies and Coke and ice cream and that's all you eat, you are not going to be too athletic. You're not going to be too strong. You, you're gonna, there's going to be a lot of other problems that's happening. And depending on how old you are, it's going to have something to do with what size you get to be. You can't eat Twinkies, ice cream, and drink Coke and be strong. If you went to a trainer and said, I need to get stronger, I want to get in shape, and they said, okay, great, what are you eating? You say, well, I, I, drink, I drink five Cokes a day, and I eat a whole, I eat about two packages of Twinkies and a half a gallon of ice cream. But I need you to get me in shape. <laughs> a good trainer is going to look at you and go, we need to do something before you go into diabetic coma is what we need to help you do. Because you're not going to be able to do that. And you're not going to be able to get strong. Any, any, any of you ever tried fasting? You fasted for a while, you didn't eat for a while? <laughs> do you feel like Super strong. Now you can get it'll help you spiritually sometimes because you just told your flesh no. But you just don't. If you haven't eaten in a while, you don't feel like just jumping up and doing something because you have no strength. We know we need fuel, right? We need fuel for our bodies. We need fuel for our spirits. Look what Jesus said: Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. God's word is spirit food. For your spirit being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And God's word is spirit food. And it will feed you. And if you don't, you can get weak spiritually. And that's, that's kind of sobering. So Alan, I thought you just, I thought you said all I have to do is go to church. I said, no, that's number one. Number two is a personal fellowship and a relationship with the Lord and you need remember we're talking about standing fast 
and walking worthy. And to stay with God and to walk worthy and live in such a way that it brings honor to Him in how you live your life, you have to be strong spiritually. And guys, we're living in a day where we cannot afford to be weak spiritually. So, Alan, I, I just believe things are going to get better. Huh. I wish I could say I was with you on that. I think we're living in some last days. And I think we're seeing things turn and shift quicker than I've ever seen things turn and shift. And if there's ever a day that we're going to determine that we're going to have to live strong spiritually because the forces that are coming against us and the things that we're dealing with are stronger now than I've ever seen them in the 25 years that we've had this church. This is not a time to back up. This is not a time to get weak. This is a time to be strong. And if you, if you just listen to me on this, so I, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand when I read all my Bible. Listen, you don't understand the, component, the chemical components and all the food you eat either, but you eat it anyway. I've never sat down and said, well, mm, I don't know if there's enough niacin in this. <laughs> you just eat it and you know it does good. So listen, I don't understand everything I read. Now, if you think, oh, that's disappointing. You're my pastor. No, we're all learning and we're all growing. And I need spirit food just like you need spirit food. Spirit food gets you strong spiritually. Next week, I'm going to talk about two other things it will do for you because my time is up and you listened so well. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Father, for those who are watching online, for those who are here. Thank you for the privilege of serving you. Thank you that regardless of what we're going through right now, we can walk worthy of you. That, Father, we can walk in such a way that you were honored with our life and we reflect you well. Thank you for that. Thank you that we have that capacity. Thank you that we can do that. And, Father, I pray for these as their pastor. I pray that they would be strengthened with might by your spirit in their inner man. I pray that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that they would walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you, being fruitful in every good work. Father, I pray that they would grow and develop in their love and in their faith for you. Since your bowed and eyes are closed, if you came this evening and said, Alan, as I'm here, I'm realizing I don't even know if I have a relationship with the Lord, but I want one. Or maybe you're here and you're like I was had a relationship with God, walked away from him. But you want to come back. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up or come to the front. Sitting right where you are, we're going to, we're going to pray with you. We're going to say a prayer. If that's you, would you slip your hand up just real quickly? And say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Got you. Anybody else? Wonderful. Got you. Way in the back. Yeah. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You can pray this prayer with We're going to pray with you as a church family. Such a good prayer. It's a prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord. That's how this all begins. And what a great way to start. So we're going to pray together. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus, 
My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who prayed that prayer. For those who've come to you for the first time and for those who've come home, we rejoice with them because this changes everything and it changes eternity and it changes life on this earth as well. Thank you for their commitment to you. Thank you that you will strengthen them and watch over them and guide them and love them. And we will too. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.